I hate so much of this episode, and yet it is still unironically one of the best Glee episodes. So, like, imagine how good it actually is. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sing Sations podcast. My name is Olive, and there is an adorable little kitty cat sitting on my bed right now who is about to experience her first episode of Glee. Hi, I'm Eliza, and I don't watch Stranger Things, but I'm on the internet enough to know the meme about what song would save you from Vecna. And I had to reckon with the fact that it would probably be the Glee version of Teenage Dream. Oh, so true, bestie. (laughs) So true. I can't pick my favorite Glee cover, unfortunately. But I will say, this episode is definitely up there with, like, best Glee episodes. Oh, for sure. I mean, it does have... Actually, now that I've considered what happens in the rest of the series, I don't even know if I can say this is a top five most cringeworthy moment. Oh, we'll get into it. So this is Silly Love Songs. It is the first Valentine's Day episode of Glee. I love that we had a Christmas episode. Now we're having a Valentine's Day episode. Christmas, Super Bowl, Valentine's Day, the big holidays. Yep. We open with a quick little reminder that Quinn, Santana, Brittany have gotten thrown off of the Cheerios because weirdly they didn't want Brittany to die. And Quinn has piqued her interest in Finn again and kissed him last episode, even though Sam gave her a promise ring, I don't know, like five episodes ago. Which I, okay, listen, I understand. Actually, no. No, I'm in my hater era, and I don't want to be understanding. Y'all are in high school. I don't care how much you like each other. He also definitely gave her that promise ring after dating her for, like, after going on, what, two dates with her? One date with her? It's giving Liberty University. It's giving Liberty University. It's giving ring by spring. This episode opens with a little monologue from Puck, where we are reminded that um, because he made a deal with Lauren's Ices to um, get her as a 12th member of the Glee Club. They had a little moment where they were doing seven minutes in heaven. And and she was like, um, you're really bad at this and I'm not into you at all. So like, I'll still Good join. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. And she was like, well, I'll still join Glee because that's the deal. But like, I'm not into you, which of course has made Puck go like, damn, gotta have her. This is the only woman for me because he's the well, worst. Heaven forbid we respect someone's decisions on this show. Yeah. Well, and like, do I want to experience a scene of Puck making out with someone in a closet? No. But the lines where she she says like, oh, I'm not into this. I want to stop. And he goes, but it's only been three minutes. And she goes, yeah, three minutes. I'll never get back. God, I roast him. I think it's in his monologue, like, over, what is it, narration. He goes, like, oh, maybe it's because she's constantly insulting me, like my mom. (sighs) There is so much. I, there's so much to unpack there. I'm going to choose to throw away the suitcase, actually. So, basically, the establishing uh, scene of this episode is, like, Puck is in love with Lauren Zeises, and he's never been in love before I guess so we're supposed to be I don't want to necessarily say sympathetic to it but I think it's somewhere between like taking it seriously and wanting to claw our claw our eyes out 
which is most to of Glee. Quote one Lizzo, never been in love before. What the fuck are fucking feelings, yo? I take that back. He doesn't deserve Lizzo. We transition from Puck's monologue to a little Finn monologue where he's talking about how um, because they just won like the big football game of the season, all the girls in school are suddenly finding him kind of cool again. And he's like shooting them down in the hallways. They're like fawning over him. Um, and Becky comes up and gives him a Valentine, super adorable. And he's like, I'll keep you posted because I've just got so many ladies throwing themselves at me. And this Finn he- makes me want to commit arson. <laughs> Becky gives him like a little, you know, like candy sweetheart thing, the ones that have the little messages on them. And then he opens his locker and he has a bucket full of them that he just like adds hers to. My thing about Quinn and Finn is that they collectively bring out the worst in each other. Yeah. Ryan Murphy brings out the worst in Quinn, I gotta say. Ryan Murphy brings out the worst in me. (laughs) Darn right. Um, Finn does make an interesting observation here. He, like, kind of makes eye contact with Quinn in the hallway and says, like, oh, maybe the reason things never worked out with Rachel was because I was never over Quinn, which is kind of a valid observation. Like, he definitely had not bounced back from the whole pregnancy thing by the time he was getting with Rachel. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the ridiculous thing is that, like, I could get every girl in this school to kiss me, but Quinn, because Quinn, as we know, is in a relationship with Sam, that, like, you know, I guess she doesn't want to mess up, but also she was the one who kissed Finn last episode, so that's kind of on her. Also, I could get any girl in this school to kiss me. Any girl, Finn? What about the gay ones? Although I know that canonically in Glee, lesbians don't exist yet. Um, I do like to think What about the other girls that are also in relationships? Mercedes Jones would not stoop to kissing Finn. She's too good. So true. And then we go from that monologue with Finn into a claim scene. At the lima bean. And uh, Kurt is commenting. They have this little, like, two little stuffed doggies kissing on, like, a heart-shaped pillow stuffed animal thing. And he's like, this is stupid. Like, I hate these Valentine's Day decorations. They're just tacky. And Blaine's like, no, I love Valentine's Day. I gotta say, up front, up fucking front, Darren Chris put his whole pussy in this episode. Oh, he, he put his whole left tit into every single episode he's in, but especially this episode. Something about this episode, it just hits like 7% harder. Um, and I don't know what it is, but, like, I know that there's no way in hell that I would have been able to do a single part of this episode myself, because I have too strong a sense of secondhand embarrassment, but, mm-hmm. like, Darren Chris, he put his- I'm not finishing that sentence. Continue. Yeah. Just Darren Chris, period. End of sentence. Darren Chris. So this sets up the crux of the episode where Kurt is like, oh, Valentine's Day is just a holiday to sell greeting cards. But Blaine's like, no, I think it's really great and romantic. And like, it's an opportunity to celebrate uh, the people you love in life. I'm just a hopeless romantic. And is this where he orders Kurt's coffee? And Kurt's like, yes. Oh my God, you You know my coffee order? order? You know my coffee order? (laughs) As they're talking, Blaine brings up you know there's this guy that I've been interested in lately and like 
we've only known each other for a little while, but I think there's something really special in between us. So like, I want to tell him about my feelings. Is it too cliche to confess on Valentine's Day with a song? And Kurt, bless his little heart, bless his gay little heart, thinks it's him. And he's like, no, of course not. I think that's a fantastic idea because that would be a fantastic idea if the man you were confessing your love for was Kurt Hummel. Uh, I think no other man, but definitely Kurt Hummel. I just, I respect Kurt so much as a person, but it is pretty ballsy to assume that he's talking about you. Respectfully, they did have the baby it's cold outside moment, but as we see from this episode, Blaine is big dumbass sometimes. And I think Kurt just hadn't accepted that yet. There is statistical evidence to prove that Kurt Hummel's type is a himbo, so. Yeah. So yes, that's where that scene ends. We're setting up like Blaine wants to sing a song to this mysterious person that he has a crush on. We go from there to the first Glee meeting where Schuster has written the word love on the whiteboard. Sorry, no, cut that. Continue. What did you say? I said the first gleeting, and then I went, nope, delete that. Um, so Schuster has uh, written the word love on the whiteboard, and he draws a big heart around it. Because He's subtlety like, thy name is not Will Schuster. I think that maybe Mr. Shu should figure out his own love life before he tries to invade anyone else's. It's it's a weird setup to this episode, too. They've done, like, duets before in Glee, right? But what Will says here is, like, okay, everyone in Glee Club is going to partner up and you're going to sing what you think is the world's greatest love song to your partner. Which, like, is maybe fine for the kids who have been dating each other and, like, can just choose their girlfriend slash boyfriend. What about, like the single kids who don't have someone to sing to so they're just gonna sing a a love song to their friend um what song would you pick oh the greatest love song in the world oof not to be a parody of myself but there's gotta be a taylor swift song that's like up there definitely i mean love story is a classic i was about to say the way love story makes me feel when it gets to the bridge and gets down on one knee and says, marry me, Juliet, like that. No the- joke, no joke. And maybe you can cut this out because it's not really relevant. I was at my friend's wedding and at the reception, my I was, I mean, I was friends with the bride and the group, but at, the, at this point we were dancing with the bride and love story came on and it was just like, you know, a bunch of women on the dance floor <laughs> and we're all like standing in a circle, kind of dancing to ourselves with absolutely no communication between any of us. Every single person on that dance floor, except the bride, when the line knelt to the ground and pulled out a ring happened, we all got down on one knee at the same time. And it was one of the most magical moments I've ever been a part of. Yeah, that's feminism right there. Hell yeah. I Um, am also going to be a cliche of myself in a different way and be overly emotional and say either Annie's song by John Denver, because it's my mom's favorite song. Yeah, good. Like... (sighs) Good you fill up my senses like a night in the forest. God. Um, or you'll never walk alone because it was my grandparents' wedding song. Another being the next 10 minutes from the last five years, which is the proposal song, I Want to Die Knowing I Had a Long Full Life with You. Beautiful. Chills. 
If we're doing musicals, I'm gonna have to go with If Ever I Would Leave You from Camelot. Oof. Specifically. When the- Camelot was showing at a theater near me, I went and saw it three times. The Shakespeare Theater Company production of it, where he's singing it to her as there's like petals falling down from the ceiling. Immaculate. It was little like fall leaves. I. Yeah. I think of the Shakespeare Theater Company performance of Camelot every single day. <laughs> Moving on from that, so it's established, right? The Glee Club kids are going to sing love songs to whoever they're partnered with. I guess even if you get partnered with someone you're just friends with. Which I can't imagine how awkward that would be. Like, Imagine you get paired with just anyone else who was in our high school theater group. So Finn gets up, interrupting Will Schuster's whole thing here. Then is like, hey, I just want to announce that it's actually been uh, the first week in a very long time that any of us have gone without getting slushied. And I think it's because I'm really cool and popular now because we won the football thing. Shut the fuck up, Finn. Yeah, Finn, you need to take it down a notch. Um, Sit your ass down. He calls himself like a local celebrity here. And he's like, now that I'm a famous athlete, I want to give to a charity. So I'm going to set up, I'm going to set up. There are times where these characters are so painfully teenagers. And this is one of those times. So like, I'm willing to not cringe at this as much as I want to, but it's giving, it's very right. Yeah, it's rough. And Mercedes, of course, immediately calls him out and is like, you just want to kiss a bunch of girls. And Santana, icon that she is, is like, hey, I've kissed Finn. Not that great. I would pay $100 to jiggle one of his man boobs. And Santana, as a fellow men's tits enjoyer, I do understand. Um, Can I please leave that in? Because that is so funny. Fine. (laughs) That is so good. Only because I should pay for my crimes of the amount of times I have looked at the photo of my favorite member of BTS wearing a skin-tight black turtleneck. (laughs) I'm in a BTS era. (laughs) And that's okay. You are valid. What we get after that amazing Santana line, though, is perhaps, I think, one of the most iconic, like, interactions on Glee, where he goes, do you ever get tired of tearing other people down? She goes, no, not really, Uh, because you always seem to be meddling in everyone's business. And she goes, oh, come on, you guys love me. I keep it real, and I'm hilarious. And Lauren goes, no, actually, you're just a bitch. I am both sides of that interaction. That interaction my last two brain cells that interaction is what having adhd is like and quinn says here like oh three weeks ago you were disappointed that i didn't have a lizard baby and five minutes ago you said mr Shu belonged in a 12-step program and mr Shu's like what and she goes you're addicted to vests no he the- does though she was right for that one <laughs> she's right um <laughs> and rachel goes <laughs> And maybe sometimes you're right. Maybe I am destined to play the title role in the Broadway musical version of Willow. But the only job you're going to have is working on a pole. (laughs) And once again, I have to ask, where is Will Schuster being an actual adult teacher in these situations? Because he's just like... Should have stopped this! He just goes like, hey, whoa, whoa, calm down. And then let's, first of all, let's all the Glee Club members like, I mean, first of all, shouldn't have let Santana insult Finn in the first place, but then also shouldn't have let all the other team members gang up on Santana. 
And then just like let's see. Yeah, he really should have shut it down after Santana's comment. But Mr. Shu has this massive habit of letting them gang up on Santana. Like he'll defend Rachel. Disgusting. Couldn't be me. But he always lets them gang up on Santana. And it bugs me. But also, am I mad at it? Because it did give us those iconic pieces of dialogue. Well, you can't have everything. And then we get into, I think perhaps a line that is up there with, you're all minorities, you're in the Glee Club, is Santana sobbing her eyes out in the hallway and Brittany's comforting her. And she's like, oh, you know, like, I just try to be really honest with people when I think that they suck. I think that they suck. (laughs) The absolute sincerity that Naya Rivera is like sobbing her eyes out. This show is amazing. Where is her Emmy? I'm not joking. From there, we get a little exchange um, of Lauren and Puck. Oh, you know what? I don't remember what the line is, but I think Santana says something kind of uh, insulting to Lauren, and then Puck stands up for her. So Lauren thanks Puck for that here. Um, He asks her out to Breadsticks for Valentine's Day. And she's like, "Mm, I'm not desperate. But sure, if you want to show up, then fine. I love her so much. Like, I... Like, genuinely, I think she's one of the best written characters on this show sometimes. You know what? She can definitely be kind of one-dimensional. Like, they don't give her a lot to work with. But also, can you name me another character that is giving... But honestly, given what happens when they do give people a lot to work with on this show, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit okay with it. Well, and, like, can you name me another character that's given so little to work with, but also makes themselves one of the most iconic characters on the show? Mike Chang? Yeah, Mike Chang. Anyway, we go into another, our boys, the claim scene, um, where Kurt, in the middle of a school hallway, is doodling a heart with an arrow through it, Blaine plus I hate him. I hate how no one on this stupid little TV show has any concept of what an appropriate location to do an action is. What is it with people on this goddamn show in hallways? And just, so Blaine walks up to him in the hallway and he like closes the notebook really quickly. What if he had come over your shoulder, Kurt? What if he had come from any other direction and seen what you were writing? That's so horrible. He covers it up. He's like, oh no, I was just doodling. And Blaine's like, okay, we're gonna... um, go ask the warblers in an emergency meeting because i he needs to request that you know for the first time in like years and years he wants the esteemed council to allow them to perform somewhere off campus they've only ever performed on campus or at uh competitions and he says like you know i'm not really good at talking about my feelings i'm much better at singing them so you know, I just need everyone's help. And so I'm enlisting you to like confess my love to this individual that I just feel so strongly about. And you can tell Kurt is so hopeful here. He's, his heart is in the sky right now. They have some discourse about it for a moment, but everyone's like, okay, this will be romantic. Kurt even speaks up in support of Blaine. I just got to say, Kurt, um... At w- why did it take you so long to clock that this wasn't about you? Because if it was about you, he would have done it on campus. Well, he doesn't even figure it out when they're talking about it. He's in full support of it up until they're like, okay, Blaine, we're in agreement. 
where do you want to perform? And he's like, great, we're going to a gap. And this is where Kurt begins to notice, hey, wait, maybe this isn't about me. I refuse to think that Kurt Hummel shops at the Gap. He oh, deserves- absolutely not. Blaine says that the guy he likes is the junior manager there. We transition into an immaculate scene. Kurt, Mercedes, Rachel doing a little sleepover moment. Love that for them. And Mercedes asks, like, well, did he ever say you guys were dating? And Kurt's like, well, no, but we sung duets. <laughs> Is this Kurt being kind of stupid and wishful thinking? Yes, absolutely. Do I kind of understand, given that like 99% of Rachel and Jesse's and Rachel and Finn's relationships were singing duets with each other and the other 10% was making out? Kind of. As two people who saw many showmances arise from our high school theater group, like sometimes all that needs to be there is like you guys share a scene. And that's some, some people think that's enough. Can't relate, but... Do not relate in the slightest, but, you know, go with God. Okay, uh, as they're talking about boyfriends, of course, Rachel does decide to make it all about her, and she's like, well... At this point, I don't even think it's a decision. I think it's just a reflex. And she's like, well, I'm having boy trouble, too, and, like, I want to get back with Finn, but if he thinks... I th- She says something like, oh, I'm gonna walk up to the kissing booth with a hundred dollar bill and he's gonna have to kiss me a hundred times because that's the deal and he's gonna like realize how much he loves me no (sighs) consent still matters Rachel. Rachel come on come on man Mercedes being the queen she is is like okay let's focus back on Kurt um you know I don't have a date for Valentine's Day but I'm fine I'm a diva and like Whitney Houston Barbara Streisand, Patti Lapone, they all became stars while they were single. They took all the pain and the loneliness and they put it into their music. And she encourages Kurt to like still go to what they are calling the gap attack, where like he can scope out the competition and like see the guy that Blaine is kind of into. I will admit that this makes me cringe, but that's not what this is about. So we move on. Yeah. And then we go into the first song of the episode here. Fat Bottomed Girls by Queen. And I gotta say, is this song kind of gross and kind of offensive? Yes. Do the opening choral parts kind of slap no matter what? Also, yes. Yeah, this song is, it's unfortunate how good this song is, but that's the power of Freddie Mercury. So if anyone is unfamiliar- He also made a song about bicycles into one of my favorite songs. So his power knows no bounds. It's even more unfortunate that this is sung by Puck. Yeah, for anyone who is not familiar, this song is about, or from the perspective of someone who, as a child, had a quote-unquote fat-bottomed babysitter, um, and from childhood had an interest in larger women. We love body positivity here. However, the song does, in my opinion, sort of imply that the babysitter took advantage of the point of view singer uh, as a child and um, definitely uh, over-sexualizes fat women. It's very uncomfortable. It's less appreciative and far more fetishistic. It's, yeah, it's absolutely, yeah. It's definitely on that, the more fetishing side. It is a good cover, but like you said, feels gross of course it feels gross listening to the normal version of it too and 
all of the Glee boys are helping Puck out. Please note that the assignment was to sing what you think is the greatest love song of all time. And Puck chooses Fat Bottom Girls. I hate him. We knew this, but it must be reiterated. I hate Noah Puckerman. I hate this bitch so much. And God, all of the girls in Glee are like horrified the whole time too. Cause at least the girls are like, um, this is deeply uncomfortable. And like, he's obviously singing directly to Lauren too, who is yeah. sitting there so uncomfortable the whole time. Like and she is crying by the end. I, I don't know if she's crying. She gets a good line in where, um, I think they, they disband the group and he's just like, Hey Lauren, what'd you think of the song? And she goes, um, that was the first time anyone's ever sung me a love song. And it made me feel like shit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Puck, that's like, what did you think would happen? And I like, hate we'll, it. I hate every single second of it. We'll get into it. Like uh, in the episode original song where he writes a song about her, but it's like every time Puck talks about why he likes Lauren it's this gross, like, oh, I like her because she's so big and mean to me. And it's like, just appreciate a woman for being herself. Also leave her alone because she already told you no. But like, that at least, that is her personality. That is a way that she behaves. Yeah. But like, I do think most of the girls, like, understand on some level how uncomfortable it is. But by the end, like, I don't think anyone else in the Glee Club understands how gross it makes Lauren feel because mm-hmm. she's the one like experiencing it directly too, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So we go from there, you know, a very uncomfortable scene, but at least Lauren like gets a good line and at the end is like, you made me feel like shit. That was awful. We go from there to Finn with his kissing booth in the middle of a crowded school hallway who let him put this up here it takes up the entire hallway the entire school hallway like people have to get to class finn and like when finn has to go to class right does he just leave it up it's like blocking people's lockers so becky comes up to him pays her dollar he kisses her on the cheek and he, um, after he kisses Becky, he has like some kind of timer set up at his booth. And he is like, sorry, ladies, because he has like a crowd of girls waiting to kiss him and is like, sorry, ladies, got to go brush and floss. How deeply are you kissing these girls? Also flossing. He has to floss. Why do you have to floss, Finn? Are you eating in between? <laughs> um, as he begins to walk away from the booth like the the crowd disperses and we see that Quinn like grabs his attention and is like hey I know what you're doing you're just trying to get me to kiss you again and Finn's like oh well you're not gonna like spend a dollar it's for the glee club and Quinn's like no kissing you was a mistake it's not gonna happen and he goes what are you so afraid of and she goes leading you on hurting my boyfriend which are good reasons. I will question why she maybe didn't think of them before she kissed Finn the first time. The question must be asked. And they like, they have a little moment where their faces are like very close to each other uh, before she walks away. And we do like a little zoom in and apparently Sam has been watching them the whole time. 
Literally the only reason that Quinn isn't the most hated character on this whole show is because of Diana Agron. Oh, a thousand percent. And Sam, having seen this interaction, we see him confronting Quinn about it in the next scene um, and is like, hey, that was really weird that you guys got super up close in each other's faces. What's up with that? Which is a good question to ask. I mean, if my girlfriend was getting that close to the lips of someone she used to date, I'd have questions. And, like, Quinn just deflects this. She goes, like, oh, well, like, don't worry about that. I'm busy choosing the love song that I'm going to sing to you in Glee. And Sam's like, oh, if you're so into me, then why haven't you kissed Finn at his booth? And Quinn's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, you should, like, if if things the are really- reasoning here is fucking moon logic. It's listen, I love a dumb blonde, you know, and that's exactly what Sam is. He's like, if you were really over Finn, that's why you became friends with me. You're not a blonde. Don't try it. I was when we met. Mm, debatable. He's like, oh, if you're really over your feelings for Finn, then it shouldn't be a problem for you guys to like share a kiss. And Quinn's like, you want me to go kiss someone else like what it's terrible i think it i just like i I don't even have anything to say i just hate it i just hate it i have nothing to comment farther than loathe eternally and like really it comes down to plot's got a plot but i do want to at least give sam like the tiniest bit of credit here he does have a line where he's like you know i'm not dumb you play it cool, but you're ambitious. And like, and so like, he is kind of aware that like popularity matters to Quinn a lot. And he's kind of been aware of that since the beginning, right? From how he's had this like power dynamic with Finn for the past, you know, couple episodes. So like, I think here he is kind of aware that like, hey, if I dropped off the food chain, Quinn would be done with me in a second and she would be back with Finn. So is there a reason for him to like want to want her to kiss Finn so badly? Not really, but I, I will give him a, like a D for effort on (laughs) self-awareness. I was going to say like one third slay. From this, uh, we get Rachel coming up to the booth and she puts down her hundred dollars or her dollar or whatever and Finn's like, oh, are you sure about this? Like, are you going to be able to handle it? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm I'm so mature now. I've really grown. And he kisses her on the cheek again. And she starts to throw a little tantrum because she's like, no, I paid my dollar. I want to kiss you. You can't do that, Rachel. And, and she goes, okay, fine. I still love you. Is that what you want to hear? And it's, oh, girl, it's bad. Oh, and they I'm embarrassed off. for her and I don't even like her. And they storm off and they have a little argument again, right in the public hallway where she's like, oh, just take me back. Like, I know I cheated, but like, it's Valentine's Day. And he presents her with something he uh, ordered for her as a Christmas present before they broke up, tells her to open it, which he just has this present ready and wrapped for her at his kissing booth. Insanity. Um, anyway. He presents it to her and it is a gold star necklace, question mark? Yeah, a gold star necklace. And he goes, 
you know, I think you're right about wanting to be alone for a little while. Cause let's face it, Rachel, you're better than everyone at this school and you don't need, need me or any other guy to anchor you to Lima. You're a real star. She does not deserve this treatment. She does not, especially after she's been acting like a complete brat these past few episodes. She literally just threw a temper tantrum at you in the public school hallway, Finn. Like, oh my God. What I will say, this does feel like a little bit of a predecessor of his season three, end of season three monologue, where he sends her on the bus up to New York. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. Like, I don't know if they had that whole plot. In Hudson's out. inadequacy issues, I, I will not be looking too closely at it. I am not emotionally prepared to, but please know I am thinking. Yeah. We go from there to a duo that is unexpected, but not not unfortunate. Um, we get a little Mike and Artie scene where they're just talking about how they're so excited to be dating two of the coolest girls in school like aren't we so lucky no jealousy no drama and they do this little intro where Artie starts like doing the narration at the beginning of PYT by Michael Jackson and then they go into a, a more diegetic number of PYT with Artie being the one singing and Mike only doing the dancing in the background they could have given Mike a line on this song they truly could have. And they could have given Artie some wheelchair choreography. Absolutely. See, we're on the same wavelength here. Give Mike, you know, just a line or two. Give him a soft harmony that he can do. Give Artie some wheelchair choreography. Because all it really is is Artie rolling down the school hallway. They have some cute interactions with Tina and Brittany that, again, are assumed to be, um, like, not actually happening until they get into the Glee Club room. But yeah, like, where's Artie's cool wheelchair choreography? You know they could have done something fun with this number for him. Because it's just the two of them. It's not like they don't have the space for it. It's not like it's a whole performance. It's literally, yeah, it's literally just the two of them. Like, Mike Chang has the range to do a little dance with Artie with wheelchair choreography. And he has the range to sing also. They do have some fun arm choreography, I will say. Like, there's definitely plenty of stuff for Artie to do. I just wish it was a little more. Same as I wish they had just given Mike a little bit of singing. Just a, just a bit. I don't need a lot. I just need a little bit just more sprinkle substance. it in there. It's a good cover, though, I will say. It's not one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, but most Glee covers of Michael Jackson songs are solid. Yeah, they're solid. Uh, that number ends everyone you know kisses it's a great number clap clap great remember that it's possible for couples to be happy and healthy moving on we get a little scene where santana icon that she is walks up to puck in the hallway with i think like a, a jared receipt or a tiffany's receipt and is like here's the receipt for the jewelry that i'm saying that you bought me you can reimburse me <laughs> Icon behavior, we love a queen who knows what she wants well, and how to and get it. Puck is, like, super confused, as many teenage boys might be. Um, and she's like, look, you made your point. You're playing hard to get with me, but I'm willing to change. Like, we're going to make this work, and we're going to be a couple. And I won't, she says, like, I won't tell Lauren to look out for poachers who might mistake her for the endangered white rhino. And Lauren, right there, <laughs> says, 
I heard that. Don't make me rip your weave out of your head. And I will say that this scene is not as iconic as um, the you got a boob job hallway fight. But, but it is up there because Santana keeps insisting that she can win and she very much cannot. Santana's like, oh, I'm from Lima Heights adjacent. Like, I can take you. She absolutely cannot. Lauren immediately, like, hurls her against the locker, absolutely destroying her because Naya Rivera is twig thin, respectfully. And Puck is just, like, watching it the whole time. Like, oh, I do I have to say... I was going to be like, I wish they weren't fighting over Puck. And then I was like, actually, no, they aren't. Santana insulted Lauren directly. So I can actually like this scene even better because they're not fighting about Puck. Yeah, a thousand percent. Lauren's like, I don't give a fuck about Puck. I'm like, we're not even dating. But also, you will respect me. As we all should. And uh, the final like move to this is Santana is on the floor and Lauren swings her around like a hockey puck and like sends her sliding. And then Coach Beast comes up and has to lift Santana over his shoulder and like carry her off to the nurse's office. We see Puck super into this because he's like, oh, two girls were fighting over me. That's how he interprets it. We get a little scene where Quinn walks up to the booth, puts her dollar down in front of Finn and Sam is there too. And Finn's like, uh, it's kind of weird that you want to watch us kiss. Thrapple, thrapple, thrapple. Bisexual Sam Evans. You know, they they do it, they kiss. And there's a little moment where Finn's like, ooh, I saw fireworks. I roll. And Sam's like, okay, great. We're done with that. Let's go. As they're walking away, Quinn's like, oh no, I forgot my purse because she carries a purse around school apparently and she whispers meet me in the auditorium at like I don't know five o'clock or whatever and Finn's like I knew it she still has feelings for me god I'm gonna commit arson I'm gonna burn down McKinley High speaking of wanting to commit arson we get to the gap attack this here's the thing here's the thing when I get you alone is somehow genuinely one of my favorite Glee covers. Like, it is just, to me, one of the ones that slaps the absolute hardest. Let me let me do a little setting up for this number. So they are in their full school uniforms, because the Warblers only perform in their uniforms. But they are spread throughout the store as if they're just normal customers, right? So we see Blaine and Kurt just looking at shirts. Blaine's like, oh, there he is. There's Jeremiah. If we got married, Gap would give me a 50% discount. Should be noted that this guy is like 21, 22 years old. Like he's old enough to have a junior manager position. Yeah. And Blaine kind of wants to chicken out a little bit, but Kurt's like, no, we're doing this. And we hear the opening chorus. Oh my God. What I will say, you've already said it a little bit, but, um, uh, the way I like to describe this song is like, is this one of the best Glee covers, like in their whole opus? Maybe, maybe not, you know, varying opinions. But this is the Glee song that improves the most from its original version, in my opinion. Genuinely, I listened to the original version of When I Get You Alone, and I was like, this kind of sucks, actually. Yeah, I think I was the one who showed it to you because like, I was going to say respectfully, disrespectfully to Robin Thicke, the original version of this song sucks ass. 
the Glee version of this takes it from being a zero out of 10 to like a 20 out of 10. It's immaculate. And the whole dance number they do, I am not a fan of flash mobs, as I'm sure most people are not, but this number fucks so hard. You said it before, Blaine put his left tit into this episode. And now I have a question for you. Yes. As someone who's worked retail, (laughs) someone comes in to your place of employment and starts singing, you you can keep the toys in your drawer tonight, all right. (laughs) How are you reacting? And for reference, to keep it as realistic as possible, it is a 16-year-old you've seen in the store a few times. (laughs) I can't do this, bestie. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. My reaction of this greatly depends on multiple things. The first of which being, am I the one being sung to? Because if I was just like another person in the store... I would enjoy it for maybe the first like 30 seconds. I would be like, oh, cool. They're doing a little song. But then the song goes on for like two minutes, three minutes. And I'd be like, can I just get back to my job? Can I get back to shopping? Like, I, like I'm done here. Can I get my receipt and go? If I am the person being sung to, <laughs> I'm like hyperventilating thinking about that because, oh my God. For reference, one time I unannounced showed up at Olive's work, not knowing if Olive would even be there. I was just like, I just need to get thing at redacted retail store. And I was just like in line at the register, like a normal person. And Olive was like, retail, 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 locked eyes with me, did a full body shiver and then went back to retail mode. Well, and so that's how I react when I see my best friend, who I just so happened was not, you know, expecting to see, but it's a pleasant surprise. If a 16-year-old who I've interacted with maybe two to three times came and performed an entire flash mob where he's like, send nudes, question mark. Like, Olive's computer is shaking from how hard they're laughing right now. Olive is crying. That would be so unbearable. I would quit on the spot. But all that said... This is such a good song and everyone needs to listen to it right away. Yeah, this is, you know how I've said before that there are scenes where I will mute because the secondhand embarrassment is too strong? I would do that if not for the fact that this song slaps so hard. What I also feel like has, we haven't brought it up yet, is the fact that Blaine is like following Jeremiah around the store. He's like, it's uncomfortable. It is so bad. Jeremiah clearly wants to evade this. He would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. I will say a fun little, like, more of a trivia or like an Easter egg, if you know Darren Chris's other work, he does put on a pair of pink sunglasses, this number, which was like a Star Kid associated kind of uh, Easter egg, really, is what it is. And that's that. And the number ends with Blaine going up to the register doing a cheeky little like I'm just here to buy socks we cut to Blaine and Kurt sitting on the bench outside of the gap and Blaine's like do you think it was too much yeah I absolutely 100% unabashedly think it was way too much yeah that was absolutely insane person behavior Blaine and Jeremiah comes out and is like hey 
um, I just got fired. You can't just do a huge musical number in the middle of someone's workplace. And Blaine's like, oh, but everyone loved it. And he goes, my boss didn't. <laughs> and also, no one here knows I'm gay. Also, also, there's that. You are a teenager. I think, you know what? He does say that they got coffee before. So maybe they have hung out like outside of their workplace. But still, he's like, even if it, we did want to date, I would get arrested because you're underage. So it's not going to fucking happen. There's just so much of this that I despise. Yeah, it's bad. It's, and, you know, Kurt is also there, like, being supportive. That is how I would describe Kurt this scene. Also there. Yeah, Kurt is also there. And he has to both be, like, sympathetic, but also 100% saw this fucking coming, you know? Yeah. Anyway, from there, we get a little glee club meeting where santana has a monologue about like oh everyone else in the glee club is like coupled up and here i am the hottest person in glee club single and here is where she gets this idea because she sees quinn wearing her queen bitch smirk and finn only wears that gassy infant look when he feels guilty about something so she decides they must be uh having an affair what's her the fact that she's right she goes i know what cheating looks like i do it all the time which is another iconic there are a lot of iconic lines this episode somehow yeah and so she's like i can finally get revenge um we get this little like apparently she volunteers at a hospital a lot because she gets the sexy candy striper outfit super weird to say about a teenager character ahem not that Um, that's ever stopped glee before yeah there is apparently a kid in the nurse's office already who has mono and Santana says like, oh, I've had mono a million times before, so I never get it, but I can still. She said I've had mono so many times it's practically stereo, which is one of the funniest things I've heard in my life. Yeah. I mean, where is Naya Rivera's Emmy? So she goes ahead and like makes out with this boy who has mono. And then because Finn is doing the kissing booth, Santana just walks up to him kisses him and uh he's like oh well yeah like that was normal we're just doing this for the kissing booth she walks away but of course the plan is now that finn has had mono transmitted to him through kissing if quinn also gets it then that means that she has made out with him has made out with him since santana gave him mono yeah which is a good plan on her part to figure out that they're cheating but i will also intentionally giving people an infectious disease well i feel like maybe someone should have asked at the beginning of this hey is it a good idea for you to kiss every single person in the school because what if someone just unintentionally had mono also that you could have just been transmitting mono before santana had mono to give you directly like it's so contrived But also, this is what Glee does best, you know? So we get a little scene. Puck, uh, like, wants to formally ask Lauren out. And she's like, listen, you're not doing enough for me. I see you're not giving me money. You're not giving me chocolate and flowers. And he's like, I sang a song for you. And she goes, an offensive song. Mm -hmm. That made me feel terrible. And, like, you're just not ready for this. Like, I'm... (laughs) 
honestly, she's just not that into him. Uh, which is fair enough. And like, he says another line here that like makes me want to tear my skin off where he's like, listen, you look the way you look and I'm into it. It turns me on, babe. And it's like, that doesn't mean she has to indulge you or that she doesn't have better options for people who like her as a person and not a body type. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's just gross. And he like asks her out to breadsticks again, proposing to her with a ring pop, an unwrapped ring pop that has been sitting in his jacket pocket. Kill me. I think they did it just for like the visual gag, but like heavy sigh, heavy sigh. And I just have to leave it at that because if I think about it too hard, my brain's going to explode. We go from there. Quinn and Finn are meeting in the auditorium. If I'm not mistaken, in the earlier scene, she specifies like, oh, meet me in the auditorium at five, which means in that earlier scene, all the way through Santano giving everyone mono and Puck asking Lauren out again and the gap attack, it's maybe been a couple hours. This is all same day. And he um, sees her coming in. She, I think she's like a little late or something. And she says, sorry, I was at church. The fuck does that mean unless there's a chapel in McKinley High? <laughs> like, she goes, you realize this is making me a cheater. And she's like- Never shocked you before, bestie. Like, it hurt you so badly. And it made you break up with me. And it made you break up with Rachel. Literally, he, Finn is thinking with his dick. I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah, that's literally what it is. And like, when you really love someone, you do anything to keep them safe. And Quinn goes, well, I love Sam. And Finn goes, no, you don't. And it's like... This scene makes me clench my jaw derogatory. Well, and like, Finn's... Finn does have a point here where he's like, oh, if you really like knew how you felt about Sam, then you wouldn't have come here. And Quinn's like, okay, well, I think I love him and you're not gonna turn me into a cheater for a second time and I'm not going to break up with Sam and Finn's like fine but you have to choose eventually and they kiss again I think she just chose and the answer was not you yeah but he definitely has let it get to his head this episode we get a little bit of a resolution with Clayne next where um, they're back at the lima bean and Blaine completely has switched tunes now is like fuck valentine's day this is terrible i hate everything about it kurt's like do you think maybe it was a bad idea do you do you think maybe just a thought just a thought do you think maybe well (laughs) maybe just a little bit blaine says here like i made a complete fool out of myself which is really saying something because i performed at theme parks and this um, is where Kurt is like, I thought, like, the guy you were gonna confess to was me. Yeah, which, like, is a brave move on his part, too, where he's, like, Genuinely. listen, in the interest of complete honesty with each other, like, we sing flirty duets all the time. Like, was I not supposed to read into that at all? And Blaine's like, what do you mean? You, baby, it's cold outside. Literally, baby, that's all I need to say. That is exhibit A through Z. Baby, it's cold outside. It's the himbo energy inside Blaine Anderson. And Kurt says, yes, like, I thought the guy that you wanted to ask out on Valentine's Day was me. Blaine is, of course, completely blindsided. He's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize. I'm just completely clueless. And um, 
I've never been anyone's boyfriend. So I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, he says, I really, really care well, about you. Also, are not currently Kurt's boyfriend. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I really, really care about you, but I'm not very good at romance and I don't want to screw this up. So let's just stay friends. Yeah. And Kurt gets a little idea like, oh, well, I know something that we can do for Valentine's Day. Um, now, okay. you might be wondering, where's the resolution to this whole like Puck and uh, Lauren thing? Because you might actually care about this plot line. Well, Puck has sat at breadsticks for much time now and has decided, well, it's been a long time. It's, you know, he's waited for however long unspecified period and decides to go make out in a back alleyway with a waitress. And as they're making out, she's like, ooh, she says like, oh, pathetic guys are really hot or something like that. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? And she goes, you, you were stood up tonight. You were, you were stood up. Your, your yeah, date didn't You come. got stood up. And he's like, wait, what? I, we've talked about Puck enough this episode. I want to, I, I want to not talk about him anymore. Can we just do that? Well, we go from talking about Puck to talking about Finn now because he's raised, get this, $324 for the Glee Club. Apparently there being 324 girls in the school because apparently he kissed all of them. He is obviously incredibly sick with mono here. He's like yeah. super tired and uh, drowsy looking. And Will is like, okay, great. That'll pay for um half of a ticket to nationals. So thanks. Um, we pan over to Quinn and Quinn is also deeply down with mono. Going through it. Yeah, going through it. Tina gets up to do her song to Mike and she sings... Uh, my Funny Valentine, which uh, they did not release, but it's from Babes in Arms. As she's doing it, she um, just starts sobbing out of nowhere. Bursts into tears. A completely inconsistent character trait for Tina, as most character traits we get for Tina will be. It's it's uncomfortable. I don't know why they let it go on for so long. And I'm not sure why. Maybe they were just like, okay, we need some scene to break up the plot heavy lines of this episode literally um, like everyone's I, deeply uncomfortable and she like breaks down on the floor crying and mike has to like help her up and like hugs her and is like okay you you can stop singing it's fine literally what was this except i don't want to know yeah um everyone notices as well that like quinn and finn seem really sick so they both get sent off to uh the nurse's office we get a nice little conversation with them where, you know, Quinn's like, this is what I get. This is like, I've cheated on two people in my life. And the first time I got pregnant, the second time I got mono and the universe is trying to tell me something. And I'm like, Quinn, you shouldn't have to get pregnant and then get mono just to know not to cheat on your boyfriends, but okay. And um, Quinn says like, you have to stop. Like I'm putting my foot down. Nothing can happen between us until I figure out how I feel about Sam. and Which is a good boundary setting. Well, Heaven only knows if they'll stick with it, but... Well, it would be good boundary setting. It is good boundary setting on Quinn's part, but of course, Finn is like, well, I still have feelings for you. Because all the Doesn't men Doesn't matter, show, bucko! Yeah, all the men on the show just only think about themselves. Speaking of the men on the show being unbearable, 
Puck is walking through the hallway and sees Lauren and is like, hey, remember that date we had? And she asks, acts a little nonchalant at first, but um, he he has some line here about like, hey, I know what you've heard about me. Like, you think I'm just a bad dude. And Lauren's like, well, yeah, you, you did get your best friend's girlfriend pregnant um, like less than a year ago. So, so yeah, I think I kind of do have evidence to think that you're not a great dude. Points were made. Like, the, I don't know what else to say. Points were made. He does say, like, I'm not going to give him credit for this line, but he says something along the lines of, like, you know, I'm into you because you're such a fierce, like, badass, not just because you're so curvy. Which, like, okay, is at least scraping the bottom of the fucking barrel for the first at time. At least he episode. tried. Again, a D for effort. An F for effort. And Lauren makes the point where she's like, okay, I suppose I could give this a shot, but we have to take things slow because I'm not even sure if I like you as a person. And they agree. Oh, true. They agree that they're going to be friends. Um, As another little resolution, um, we are back into the nurse's office and Rachel is comforting Finn because like Quinn's mom picked her up. And... um, does she apologize here or what? She like, I guess kind of comes to terms with the fact that Finn, you know, is kind of back to having feelings for Quinn. Um, yeah. She's like, oh, girls like me don't get chosen over girls like her. Did you kiss her like Santana said? And Finn's like, yeah, but I just needed to get it out of my system. Sure is a sentence. <sighs> yeah. I'm over the teen drama. He does express like, oh, I saw fireworks when I kissed Quinn. And she asks, did you see fireworks when you kissed me? Girl, let it go. Girl, let it go. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, and then can you fucking guess what song she sings? Because it's Firework <sighs> by Katie fucking Perry. The way when I was first watching this episode, I didn't even have to think twice. As soon as he was like, I saw fireworks. And, like, the music started, I was like, fucking, of course. Like, metaphorically flipping a table and leaving the room. But, like, I was on my computer, so I just angrily typed in chat, I can't believe this shit. I I truly could not give less of a shit about this song. I don't need to hear Leah Michelle overbelt a song that's already, like, basically spoken on pitch. Yeah. supposedly it fits with the episode because like instead of a love song to another person it's like a self-love song but i'm but i still hate it because it's rachel and she's the most self-absorbed character on this show i'm over this shit i'm over it and then thankfully enough we get a number this episode that is not completely unbearable um where you know as a little finale they're at breadsticks question mark yes they're breadsticks and because the Warblers have now decided, you know, they're allowed to perform off campus, Kurt has decided they're doing a little, like, uh, whether you're single with hope or you're madly in love and are here because I forced you to come out and support me, we're going to do a little Valentine's Day night and we're going to sing a love song for all the couples and the singles out there. And, and they, they start in on Silly Love Songs. By Wings, which is, ooh, the arrangement beautiful Ooh, the little oz at the beginning sigh a positive sigh positive sigh 
And then also the way Blaine sings, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes love doesn't come at all directly at Santana is one of the funniest things this season. Yeah. She, he goes, uh, love doesn't come in a minute. Sometimes it doesn't come at all directly to Santana. And she's like, what the fuck did I do? What did I do to you? Yeah. Like, do you even know who I am? Yeah. Like we've never even met before. Listen, Darren, Chris does an immaculate job with this. Again, put his left tit in this episode. So fucking good. Um, And there are some cute moments too. Obviously like Mike and Tina are adorable interacting with each other. Um, Rachel and Mercedes have gone as friends to the Valentine's Day mixer. I believe there's a little uh, eye contact with uh, Quinn and Finn. So it's like maybe things aren't completely resolved between them. Um, There is eye contact between Sam and Santana which is a weird pairing that I forgot they did but I guess we'll get into in another episode so as we end unfortunately so that's the end of the episode what's your I feel like Mr. Shu didn't do enough this episode for us to even ask if he did anything illegal oh yeah it felt like he was barely in this episode and I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse uh favorite song favorite song I have to say is silly love songs. I do think I listen to silly long so- love songs more than I listen to when I get you alone. Both are great though. I gotta go with when I get you alone. A valid choice. A valid choice. Worst song this episode, Fat Bottom Girls. I think, so here's the thing. Fat Bottom Girls is a song I never would willingly listen to, but the arrangement and performance is objectively good. Firework, on the other hand, is a song I enjoy, but the Glee cover of it sucks ass. Can they be tied for last? They can absolutely be tied. And then PYT is somewhere in the middle where, like, it has room for improvement. Yeah. That improvement Um, being giving Mike singing lines and giving Artie choreography. That's the specific improvement we're talking about here. Yep. And so from there, next time you'll see us, we are doing the episode Comeback, um, which is... The Justin Bieber. If you ever wondered what it feels like to have your soul leave your body, come back next time and you'll hear me describe it in intimate detail. That's not like a great advertisement for our podcast, but you know what? It is what the experience of watching Glee is like. Exactly. I had a friend who doesn't watch Glee listen to the podcast and be like, this is actually interesting. I might have to actually watch Glee so I understand what's going on. And I just replied to him with, I cannot be held ethically or morally responsible for that decision. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at SingStationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. You can leave reviews for our podcast on various platforms. We would love to read them. Uh, it's We're recording this the day before my birthday, so happy birthday to me. Bye. Everyone say happy birthday to Eliza or I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. That was nice.